God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Clearly it is fall time if you stepped outside today to make it here. If you are home watching in pajamas and with coffee, ooh, that must be cozy. I am glad that you are here in person and at home. As it is fall time, <clears throat> pumpkins are out. It's time for adorning our houses for fall and maybe Halloween fun. And that also means field trips to the pumpkin patch. So I got to take my five-year-old who's in kindergarten to the pumpkin patch with his kindergarten class this week. We went down to Helena. I had never been to this pumpkin patch. They didn't have pumpkin patches like this when I was a kid. It was hysterical. It was beautiful. There were 53 little tiny kindergarten children who got to slide down slides, swing on swings, ride tricycles. I know it's a pumpkin patch. They, they also got to get pumpkins from a field. <clears throat> they weren't like attached to vines. They had been dumped into the field. Um, I could see the cardboard crates like stashed in the woods. It wasn't a secret. Um, so big adventures. And the highlight, the crescendo of, like, there's a schedule that you have to follow from station to station. The crescendo was this pole barn that on one side had a mechanical bull. I did not ride it. It was not in, in operation. I think it's only for Saturdays. And the five-year-olds didn't ride it either. On the other side of the pole barn <clears throat> was uh, a ramp that kids could climb up and it was probably about five feet off of the ground and there were three slides that kids could slide down into an enormous pit of corn kernels, like dried corn kernels. I'm not kidding, there, was, there were two signs on the side of this like two foot deep pit of corn that said, play at your own risk, cannot be sanitized. As children were like rolling in the corn, like corn sticking to them because they were sweaty, like it was in their ears. I just went, oh, I had to just pause for a second. And as I stood back and watched these children play, I felt overcome for two reasons. One was that it felt like a moment in which the world is maybe opening up a little more where we can gather together and play without fear. Too much fear. Like I was still like a little bit worried about all the germs <clears throat> in the in the corn bin. Um, however, like it was this societal moment of healing and coming together. We're not finished, but it felt like one step closer to being in joy with one another at a pumpkin patch. The other thing that I noticed as I was watching all of these darling children, um, and we were not the only group of school kids there, but among our tiny little kindergartners, there were some taller kids, and about halfway through I realized that each of those taller kids had an adult or two playing zone defense, like, you know, kind of making sure and managing what they were doing. And I realized that some of these older kids were from the special needs program at our elementary school. And so kids of all abilities were able to engage in this revelry. 
and in this fun. And it was so touching to see how all were included, even those kids who may have been autistic, who may have had other physical limitations, kids were helping them up onto swings. They were helping them up the ramp to slide down the slide, partnering with them going down if they felt afraid. And it was this beautiful moment of the kingdom of God being right there in the corn pile. And it was gorgeous. And then, of course, there were germs, and so I, you know, got pulled back out of my <clears throat> theological world into the reality of, you're going to have to have a bath tonight because you are disgusting. Um, but as I think about that beautiful moment on Wednesday morning, then I come to our scriptures for today. When we hear about blindness and the lame and those who have physical differences, physical limitations, in the ancient time, people who had different abilities were seen as diminished, as lesser, they were kept away. Um, in Leviticus, there are writings about what is appropriate in offering gifts to the temple and how you offer those gifts to the temple. You offer those gifts to be cleaned and to be purified. And those who had physical deformities, who were lame, who were blind, who had a broken arm, could not offer their gift to the temple. They could not enter the sanctuary because they would profane it. They were kept away. They were discriminated against and ostracized because of these situations in which they found themselves. And so we hear in this promise from Jeremiah, this prophecy, these words from God, see, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor together, a great company, they shall return there. This was a promise to return all of those disparate parts from exile, those people who felt apart, whether they had physical limitations or not, they were spread away. And God said, I will gather you all together, all of you. You who are vulnerable, you are in crisis, you who are weak, you are, who are distressed, all shall come home to a place of restoration and promise where there is nourishment and nurture, right? It says, I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. There's fresh water, straight paths, no one will stumble, accessible to people of all abilities. And then we fast forward that that promise of restoration happened, right? The, those who were in exile returned to Jerusalem, though there was destruction and they began rebuilding. They did come home. God's promise was made real and true. So then in Jesus's time, hundreds of years past restoration, another promise of God's is kept. Jesus comes, not without hard times, not without trial, Jesus is ministering across those regions that his forebears traveled, teaching, preaching, prophesying. And still there's the custom of excluding those who are blind and lame. And we heard as John read the gospel, on the road from Jericho, there is a blind man. 
He's in need of help from the community for food, assistance in moving from place to place, as he cannot see. We hear that he's the son of Timaeus, but we have very little context about who, what really that means about, <clears throat> about him. What we do know is that Bartimaeus is stationary. He's sitting on the side of the road. And the Greek word that we have translated as sitting also means dwelling. Like he was living on the side of the road, or maybe for a great part of his day, he was living on the side of the road. He has a cloak for protection. Perhaps it was a gift of benevolence or it was from his family, we don't know. But Bartimaeus sits in a posture of humility, lower than everyone else. Others are walking by, moving, and can easily overlook him, right? Like think about when someone's, if I'm sitting on the floor, it's kind of hard to see me, right? And even if Bartimaeus could see, I'm pretty sure people were avoiding looking at him. So while his sense of sight is diminished, what we learn is that his sense of hearing is acute. He hears that Jesus is coming, the Jesus from Nazareth. And he shrieks, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you imagine like someone just screaming in the middle of a crowd? He knows exactly who Jesus is, even though Jesus' buddies, his disciples, can't always see who Jesus is or understand what Jesus is doing. This blind man sees the truth. <clears throat> Those around Bartimaeus wish to diminish him even further. They tell him to hush, to be quiet. They show no mercy or compassion for him. And instead of being quiet, he does the opposite. He just yells louder. Do you ever have a kid who does that? And they just scream even louder. The reverse happens. That's what Bartimaeus did. He calls out. The son of Timaeus calls out to the son of David, recognizing who he is, calling for compassion. And what does Jesus do? He stands still. He matches what Bartimaeus is doing. He stops. That's what compassion is sometimes, right? It's being in the same place as someone else alongside them. Jesus stands still, he watches, he listens, and then he speaks, call him here. He tells some of the bystanders to, to help this man. And at that time, at that invitation, then the crowd is moved to mercy and compassion. And they go and they urge Bartimaeus to Jesus. Be courageous, they say. Wake up. He's calling you. And so Bartimaeus throws off the weight of the cloak and he leaps up. And in that leaping, looking back from what we know now, it reminds me a bit of emerging from a tomb, a form of resurrection, of new life, as he moves to Jesus. He moves to Jesus, the pure one, the undefiled temple. He is welcomed there. 
as opposed to the previous temple cults that said, no, 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 no. If you have something wrong with you, you don't get to be here. Bartimaeus was welcomed. And Jesus addresses him, what do you desire that I do for you? Bartimaeus says, Rabuni, that I may recover my sight. Now, I know you have in, in your translation in front of you, teacher, but the Greek is Rabuni. And when I read that, I was reminded of Mary Magdalene, whose eyes were open to Jesus on that first Easter morning, seeing him come from the tomb, arisen. My dear teacher, I see you. I recognize you. Bartimaeus' eyes weren't opened yet when he said this, when he recognized who Jesus was. And yet he had the gift of spiritual discernment and truth as to Jesus' identity and power. And in that moment, Jesus felt seen too. And Jesus says, go. Your faith has healed and saved you. And immediately Bartimaeus regains his vision. And rather than another healing story of a blind man earlier in Mark, Bartimaeus joins the disciples. He's, uh, he accompanies Jesus and his friends on the road. Bartimaeus becomes a partner on the journey that went on into Jerusalem, ultimately toward Jesus's judgment and deception, his trial and crucifixion. But Bartimaeus knew about hardship on a journey. He was well equipped as a member of that traveling band. And so as we sit and revisit this story from long ago, we see a man who went from this lowly dwelling on the road to accompanying Jesus and his unpredictable feisty group of disciples. And so we hear in this story this, this healing, this divine healing, and that is a beautiful thing. That's what we often think about in this story. And as, as Becky talked about last week, as we pray for healing, sometimes healing doesn't come as we want it to come. And so what can we look at in this story in addition to the healing and the restoration of sight? What we can see is that this brush with the divine got Bartimaeus moving. It changed, it changed his, his life in that his heart could already perceive the truth. But this brush with Jesus <coughs> changed his station in life and his posture. He went from a dejected and downtrodden blind man to turning a new leaf to become unencumbered by a dusty cloak. He became free to approach and follow the promised one. And he holds up something else for us too. His words, his will, his faith are a beautiful gift to Jesus. The son of David recognizes and receives Bartimaeus's faith as a fragrant offering. Bartimaeus can give that to Jesus. His faith brought him wholeness and restoration within the context of the faith community. And Bartimaeus has been transformed into an active member, not just one requiring gifts from others. 
And so how can we listen for how God is opening our eyes to see the gifts ready to give to Jesus? How can God open our eyes to see others around who have gifts to offer as well? Who is on a different plane than we are right now that needs our attention? And who can teach us and recognize us as we truly are? It's a powerful witness that Bartimaeus offers us. And as we listen in our collect for the day in which we pray that faith, hope, and charity swell within us by God's grace and mercy, and we just sang Amazing Grace, Bartimaeus's gift was faith. What is your gift? What is your gift that you're giving to Jesus this day? And how might you sit alongside others as they discern what their gift to Jesus will be as well. Amen.